0: We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us.
1: This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today, we get to jump in and dig in a little bit deeper to our October breakfast as always, I have state football coach, champion, man with the cleanest windows in town, Mr. Machismo, Mr. Matt Schrader, joining me today as always to talk through this, and uh, hopefully we can uh, glean a little bit more from uh, from Pastor Steve Smotherland, Smotherman, Smotherman. That's a hard name to Smotherman. say. I'm I'm, pro- yes. I'm I'm probably, I'm probably going to butcher it about ten times on this podcast. Yeah, so there's a bunch. There's two comedians that my parents
0: used to watch, and thus I used to watch when I was a kid called the Smotherman Brothers. Okay. And it just so happens that there are three of these brothers, Pastor Smotherman. So anyway, fun fact for all you old heads out there. I'm sure there's a few people (laughs) out there listening that remember the Smotherman Brothers. They were kind of funny. They did yo-yo tricks, too. So as a 10-year-old, you're like, man, this is kind of cool. These guys, you know, they're funny. They're funny was funny for my parents, but the yo-yo tricks were cool. All right. I was all about it when I was ten. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do it. And then, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, man, we're just like it's like we're jumping in and out. We're just back and forth today. Yeah, we're
1: not in, we're not in sync. Yeah, we'll get
0: on we we'll get on the flow. Yeah, yeah, it'll happen. <laughs> it happens it's early. It's Friday morning, but man, it's good to see you. I did get to see you. Of course, I've saw I've seen you from afar a couple times at our midsize group. Yeah, Brotherhood Rooted. Been enjoying that, and then yeah, I think I've seen you. You know what I see is I see you every once in a while around the football verse Yes, that is Lincoln. Yes. You know, it, at some point in time, all ages are crisscrossing back and forth. Uh, I know from social, you were at the Powderpuff game I last was. night. Uh, I was. I assume that's a senior thing for like the kids or something like that. would not it senior week or something like that coming up?
1: Or right now uh well i know the so the game tonight is a, a senior night but the powder powder puff was seventh and eighth grade so i have an eighth grader and he was one of the coaches out there and uh we've never done that before i know that's a thing i've never participated in a in a powder puff but uh, this is the first year lincoln's done it to my knowledge and i thought it was great it was a great time Wait, did you participate i uh, know i've never participated like when i was in when I was in middle school, I never did a powder puff. I know like some of the some oh, of the bigger gotcha. high schools is and, like... and stuff would do it, but like I, I just never really knew what it was. But after after witnessing it and uh, having my kid be a part of it, I I thought it was great. It was a great community time. The it was the funniest thing is this, and I'll, I'll, I'm sure this has some brotherhood um, uh, crossover. So I was talking to one of the guys that I coached my youngest son with. Um, so we coached uh infc which is like an elementary league from first grade all the way to sixth grade so there was it was dad coaches and uh so some of our sons were the coaches for powder puff and so their their job was to ascend like my son was a a line coach so he's teaching the girls what to do on the line and and then obviously they had to put put in plays and defense and all that other stuff and so i'm talking to this other dad and he he's (laughs) He was kind of cracking up he's like yeah he's like you know these boys are telling me how difficult it is coaching is and and how like hard it is getting them to focus and to do what you're asking them to do and all this other stuff and <laughs> and he said what I was thinking which was yeah imagine coaching you guys that's why I like it was really difficult for us to coach you too so now you have a little bit of perspective of what it's like to herd cats and you know how frustrating it can, it can be when you're trying to tell a kid to, to do something a certain way and it's just not clicking so you got to figure out a different way to say it but uh, they got a little taste of what the coaching side is and uh, spoiler alert it was actually pretty difficult so uh, the bad news is the eighth grade team lost to seventh grade so I'm pretty sure there's a lot of uh, seventh graders walking around Lincoln uh, today with their chest held high and their you know shoulders back and mm-hmm. Probably strutting a little bit about how you know the seventh grade boys were better coaches and the seventh grade girls were you know more dominant athletically. So it was man, it was it was fun. Um, I I'll, I will say this, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I did hear that the the, the only touchdown that happened, the girl actually did step out of bounds uh, and the uh, the refs were on the other side of the field. We didn't have a full officiating staff, so it probably. Probably has a giant asterisk next to it. At least that's what the eighth graders are telling me. So either way, it was. Uh, but it was wait, fun. is your kid an eighth grader? Of course, my kids grade? an eighth grader. Yeah, yeah, they uh, well, they have, oh, okay. they, have right. right. they have video proof. They have video proof. We're so we're all spoiled with the NFL. Biased opinion. Yeah, if there had been a challenge flag, mm-hmm. they would have thrown it. But you know what? Here's the thing: we didn't have to go into overtime. Uh, you know, we had a very clear uh, end of the game, and so it was pretty. I for me, it was. Uh, you know, the competitive side of me says, you know, I wish we had won. But the uh, parent in me was was happy that the game was over and that uh, everyone had a good time. So,
0: yeah. Good. Uh, speaking of INFC, my I go into with my third grader, ah our uh, division championship. I get to coach as well. Nice. And. Division championship, of course, that would lead to the playoffs. They don't have an official division championship, but we will lock in the number one seed. Mm. That should get you a buy, right? So we got a big one. Uh, It should, and um, we're actually kind of unsure about that, and uh, so we're looking at—we're not sure. Uh, I'm listening to my head coach. This is my first year to coach INFC, so I don't know all the rules. I get reminded by a new one. Uh, every once in a while, got reminded yesterday, actually in a scrimmage, of a new rule that apparently I haven't been following all year, and nobody's calling. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. Uh, but the Lincoln coaches sure called me out. So I was like, "All right, well, we're going to keep doing it until the actual refs call me out." But <laughs> uh, yeah, so we play for, uh, Saturday for the quote-unquote division championship, and then we'll go into the playoffs for the real. Is it a home? Real is run, it a home game? See if we can get. It is a home game. Okay. So well, that's where
1: three points right there. Good. So you're good.
0: Yeah, but get this. If we lose, if we lose, we potentially could place 5th
1: in our district. How disappointing wow. is that? No pressure, man. Yeah. Yeah, no pressure at all. Big well, game. hey, Jeez. that's a, that's actually a really good lead into uh the actual message because you know, playing football, it's tough, man. Getting a getting a championship is tough. And uh according mm-hmm. to Mr. Steve Smotherland, Smotherman. Good Lord, I'm just killing this. His last name is Steve. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna just fumble through your last name. It's okay though, because people fumble through my last name all the time. But anyway, so I, I think what a, Steve's biggest points was uh, that being a Christian is difficult, and we need to not quit. We need to we need to stay the course. We need to encourage each other through our brotherhood, and we need to just recognize that, um, you know. S- asking God in, for forgiveness, asking him into our heart like that initial part of the the Christian journey is probably the easiest part. Um, the more difficult part is really staying the course and uh, riding through the adversity because man, once once you once you start setting yourself apart and, uh, and and really pursuing what it means to be a Christ follower, that's that's where it gets a little bit more dif- difficult because there's a lot more self-discipline, There's a lot more, uh you know acts of service that that are you're you're wanting to do and, and everything else but it's a lot of self-sacrifice yep good
0: self-sacrifice in the end of course because you're of sacrificing course.
1: the part you didn't really want anyway but yes good self-sacrifice so um I, I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts i have a couple of a couple of notes here of, of things that i wanted to dig into but uh I wanted to kind of see what your thoughts were, because we really haven't had a chance to talk about this together. We, we normally don't. We usually kind of hash through it mostly on the, uh, on the podcast. But what were your initial thoughts? Was there anything that stood out to you? So the first thing that stood out to me, which didn't end up being the
0: core of his message, was, I thought it was going to be, was he comes out of the gate with courage, is doing what you need to do even when you're scared, mm-hmm. which that's a pretty common definition. But tying that into Christianity and tying that into stepping out, you know, he tells a story a little bit later about he's not that confident as a speaker, not that confident as a public speaker. So having to speak at a church, having to be a pastor has been a real challenge for him in that specific area. Yeah. I'm sure he's gifted in other areas that are pretty simple for him, but so that I really, I like when in this day and age speakers come out with the idea of courage and the strength it takes to be a man in a day and age, all days and ages are like this, but particularly ours where we feel like it's being, trying to be redefined, you know, manliness, manhood, courage in that sense. And then from there in his points, you know, coming out with beyond guard, uh, that, um, that seemed to be what spoke to me the most. You know, I know he ended with be courageous, uh, coming out with courage as well, but so off the top, those two topics, um, stuck with me really yeah. just a, a long walk into my Christian faith and, Uh, being a disciple. So I mean, those are my initial ones. I know you've got the uh, all the points in front of you. But uh, that's in general, you know, what God was speaking to me throughout the whole time, I was writing a lot of things about being on guard, you know, I'm in a space where really growing, I've got four kids and growing in the area of like, man, what's it look like to protect them? What's it look like to set up guidelines and structures and and also nourishment what's it look like to build relationships connect with them pour in them so that when they face things they there's a strength in them a resilience in them to kind of navigate the waters of sin and challenges and friends how to do that not completely on their own of course but but if i but i actually say that because that was probably my initial perspective is man give them what they need and just let them go and i've had to learn what it looks like to be on guard with your kids and truly kind of think through that as a father, what's it look like to go before them as God does before us. It's only mentally though. I was telling this to Jessica just the other day. It's like a good dad. You kind of go before them. What are they going to face upcoming here soon? Then what am I supposed to be doing? What's my role in that challenge they are going to face? What do I need to be doing to be pouring into them in that space? So, it's funny cause I'm not sure that he went that direction fully, but in my heart, it's one of those days where it's like, man, he said that point as soon as he got done, like the Holy spirit stayed right on that for me the whole time. Just like writing kind of picturing and listening. And I looked up and Oh wow, he's deep into stand firm now and he's rolling into be courageous. So that was my overall experience, and uh, what the Holy spirit was doing. So that being on guard deal and the courage thing, that was a lot of the bulk of the message, as it came across my lap yeah
1: well it reminds me of uh and i can't remember who it was um off the top of my head i can uh i can kind of picture him but uh it was the whole man man your post mentality as well i, I kind of align yeah. that to the the, the be on guard part of it the interesting thing for me is i i actually had no notes about being on guard so i think it's really interesting wow. that that uh that that really stood out to you so um, this is good. This is a big moment for you. I I'm, I'm glad that uh you know the Holy Spirit's working on you yep. and and you have some 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 uh some homework it sounds like. So I'm excited to see how yeah, I mean all that uh I'm plays grateful out that he was talking to me. Maybe you should have been listening, maybe. Oh, you should have been listening. <laughs> I funny, was listening. Bucks. I was listening. He he was quoting 1 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Corinthians 16:13 that's where that's where he got right, there, I can read that read got off the card yeah it was you know standing firm in the faith be courageous be strong so um so no I, I did I actually I not I don't even have the card in front of me thank you very much Mr Matt but I will say this um you know I I think that uh w- when I was kind of looking at a lot of the, the different things you we were saying I was I was seeing more of the like stand firm in your faith be courageous uh, I guess being being on guard is more like a ready, readiness, but then the, like the courage part of it is a little bit different because that's more like knowing that you know adversity is here and stepping into stand in that gap. And I think that that's that's really you know multiple parts of it is being on on guard is just being prepared. Like when times are good, you still got to be on guard. Like uh, but when you're in the in the thick of it, you don't necessarily need to be on guard anymore. You're you're actually being aggressive and, and stepping into the battle, so uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's definitely not not something that that I I was I was looking at. But I, I think when we think about seasons in life and we and we think about just uh, kind of the ebbs and flow of the different phases of life that we're in, there is going to be a time where things are good. I mean I uh, I, yeah, I, I talk to people, especially my rooted group, <clears throat> where it sounds like some of their phase of life is great right now. Like they don't have a lot of adversity, they don't have a lot of challenges. God is meeting a lot of their needs. Um, and so, you know, it sounds like maybe that's, that's what's going on with you. Like, you know, life is good right now. So you, so you do need to be on guard and stand firm because, you know, adversity will come. Uh, and if you can see it coming a- along the horizon, you can, you can better be prepared and, and, and better be, uh, ready for whatever comes next.
0: Yeah. So, and I don't mean to go too far ahead on you, but as I was thinking through it and listening again, I saw a process. It's it's just what you kind of said. I saw a process in that scripture of the be on guard kind of in that good life space. Standing firm. I started picturing this idea of it's starting to get a little turbulent. Starting to there's starting to be some challenges. There's starting to be some things like you don't even know it yet. It's still life is good in your head because you're still living in the space of be of whatever created the be on guard moment. But it's actually starting to transition. You know, the economy's changing. Country leadership may be changing. Something's going on, and it's just getting a little bit rough. And that's that space where you're kind of, maybe you waver. Maybe as a man, you're like, ah, you know what? You know, you you start subconsciously wanting to trust in yourself. You start looking for opportunities, and maybe you need to do something different other than what you were standing on previously in the be on guard idea. And then as that moves further into greater challenges, those challenges become very real. Now, all of a sudden, whatever was making life good is changed and now it's a challenge. Now that flow of income or that uh, that uh, relationship space with your wife or the spot connection you have with your kids, all of a sudden that has changed or diminished through circumstances, and now you're in the space of the be courageous. Now you're looking at something that circumstantially is different than the be on guard. Be on guard. You're like, okay, things are good. Let's just keep keep an eye out. Standing firm is starting to get turbulent, and then all of a sudden now it's bad and now it's a little, you're, you are a little fearful where that's where i saw be courageous and i thought man is that the full cycle of the phrase be strong so inside of be strong is be on guard stand firm and then be courageous the cycle that maybe you go to go through maybe that tells as i'm thinking now maybe through if you're courageous through the difficult part that brings you back to the good space where the circumstances are in your favor now and you're back to be on guard. That may be a full cycle of being strong. No, just something I kind of sketched out and wrote down.
1: Yeah, no, I like it. I like it because I, I think through that process we grow too. So that that, that process yeah. creates endurance. It create it, it creates a uh, a strength that maybe we we didn't necessarily have before. So um, it's it's interesting because as we're talking about this, I'm I'm kind of thinking of like th- this is a two sided coin. Like the one side of it is like we've we're followers of Christ. We're in the brotherhood. We're pursuing pursuing uh you know a a christian lifestyle or a a jesus uh emulated lifestyle um but the other side of the coin is like i I don't think you necessarily have to be on guard whenever um whenever you're not following christ like uh i think one of the quotes that he said here was Mm -hmm. something along the lines of uh the devil doesn't care um if what where like if you're worshiping god or doing anything else as long as you're not changing and i think that Especially mm, yeah, when you get great, when, man, when you get great. earlier yeah. into like maybe maybe you're not a Christian maybe you're not following Christ maybe maybe you're just going through life and you don't necessarily think about the implications of 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 eternity and everything else. You don't have to be on guard because you're not you're for the most part you're not going to be under attack because you know, the devil's got you right where he wants you. He's got you pursuing your own selfish desires and everything else. So he's going to distract you with that so that you're not in a position where you need to, uh, you know, focus on Christ and, and, and focus on, you know, the adversity that could, that could come uh, through things, or maybe adversity comes and you're just sitting there going, Oh, well, you know, I'm just unlucky. I'm just, you know, this is not a good, this was not a good situation for, for me. But I think really, maybe we're more tuned into adversity. Maybe we're, we're more tuned into challenges when we are following God because, you know, he is teaching us and and guiding us to, you know, here's how we're going to grow. You know, I'm not going to put you in in a situation that you can't bear, but I do want you to lean into me and and I do want you to, to trust in me. Um, the really interesting thing was he talked about his time at UPS and I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think it was necessarily a be courageous, be on guard type of situation at UPS, but I think it was more of a, like a little bit different of, of, a facet of, of kind of his message where he was really talking about being at UPS and, and that phase of life being a preparation for him, um, to ultimately lead him to where he is today. But I think he looked at that time with a lot of, uh I don't know the best word for it, but, uh maybe he looked down on that time of like, I'm so miserable. God, why did you have me here? Why, why are you, why are you putting me in this situation? And really the interesting thing about it was, was God was really putting him in a position where he was just waiting for him to submit. He was just waiting for him to, uh, you know, say, okay, God, whatever situation that I'm in, uh, use me, whether it's, being a UPS driver and just influencing the people uh, that that I serve and that I'm around, you know, just being okay with that. Um, and I came across a, an interesting uh, thing. It was it was on Instagram, um, but it really t- I th- I felt like it really communicated well what Steve was trying to communicate in his message. And he was talking about just a seed, and and we talk a lot about like. The, the cycle of plants and how it kind of relates to life and, and everything else. But the interesting thing uh, that he, he talked about was uh, before soil brings life to a seed, to a plant, it actually kills the seed. And you, what you need to do is look at those, those times. And I think for Steve, it was that time at UPS where the soil of UPS was, was killing the seed. It was killing his, uh, his need to fight back and, and, and prepare his heart for submission. But what the, uh, the message essentially said was let the shell break it down and die. So the real life can flow. Uh, you need to be able to get to a point where you're okay with where you're at and, um, and you're not pursuing maybe the calling that God has for you. You need to be okay with, with, with where you're at currently the, the way that he kind of explained it was, like If you're so fo- focused on your calling um, and you're eye-focused you're in that instead of God-focused, you'll actually start to worship your calling. You'll start to worship the thing that you were pursuing instead of God. And we know that the way that God works, he, he's, a, he's a jealous God. He, he doesn't want to be second fiddle to anything else. And so if we're, we're pursuing his calling for us and we're not pursuing Christ first, then he he's gonna he's gonna let us sit there and soak, and I think that's what happened to Steve for those ten years. He sat there and soaked until his his own selfish desires died down, and that's when the door opened. That's when the growth actually happened. Um, so I, I think the the really cool thing about that is it was encapsulated in "Don't worship your calling; worship the one who called you." And I think that sometimes our heart needs to be prepared, like we need to be prepared for what God is calling us to do. And He's a patient God; He He will wait for that, for that shell to die, that, that, uh, whether it's pride, whether it's selfish ambition, whatever, whatever it may be so that he can use you in what he's called you to do. Um, and that's really what God wants us to do. He wants us, he's, he wants somebody who's willing to say yes, willing to pursue what, what he's put out there for us to be. Um, but he's not going to force it. He, he wants somebody with the right heart and the right motives, um, who's focused on him. And then he can do a lot with us.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. I've seen that guy on Instagram, too. He hits my feed every once in a while where he talks about the seed dying. And he says, if it's the same clip, he says the idea, of uh, put yourself in a place where it's essentially you're so unknown that it breaks the shell so that God's life can really come out of you. Yeah, it's a, I, I saw that, too. You know, he uh, alluded to that pastor smotherman alluded to that a similar pattern post ups and then as a minister either while he was a pastor or maybe he was gonna be a pastor maybe it's at the same crossover ups time but it's the story of him becoming an usher lo and behold spoiler alert it's that church on the move like yeah that just brought it home you thought wow okay so this guy is pastoring a church and when people tell those stories of where they had to humble this humble themselves and submit it's typically somewhere else so it's just kind of in this like ethereal space of imagination but when he says it's church on the move i'm like i'm thinking man he's either in this room we're in the fellowship hall old school phase one where they were doing service years ago or he's in the main one where where we are right now phase three and he's literally who is now a, a pastor of a quote unquote mega church was ushering. Who knows? I could have been in the service as a, you know, more probably as a kid, but I still think, wow, that was, that's humbling. And that's a very real story to have happened in the house you worship where someone has to walk through that pride place where he tells that story where he's like, Oh, I'm not gonna be an usher. I'm a pastor. I'm gonna be a speaker. I'm not gonna do that lowly work. And then God starts moving on him and working on him and finally draws him in to submitting. And you think, wow, that's that's a tremendous story of submission that you know the end of that story is awesome because he's a lead pastor now and that's of course the it, that embodies the idea of the role where we all really think we want to be. But I will say about him, none of his presentation or service or message seem to glorify his leadership role or his success pattern. It didn't come off as a rags to riches story at all. It it came off as a very pragmatic, real individual who has a job that I'm actually completely unaware of. I mean, I was very – I loved his presentation, of that story, and how he delivered it.
1: Yeah, it's – the humble part was one, too, that I want to say – I don't know if it was rooted or not, but I feel like it was – Uh, where I was reading about how how God humbled himself. I think it was rooted. He humbled himself and he washed his disciples' feet and how he modeled humility. And just, you know, I don't think we think about it enough that based on everything that we know, like we have have a a little bit bigger picture than probably even the disciples did because for them, they're in the moment. They're probably not looking at everything that, that God's doing and sitting there going, okay, man, wow. Like, I have the creator of the universe washing my feet right now. I think that in some cases they were still thinking that this guy is going to be king and, like, he's going to, you know, rule the earth, rule the the country, whatever else, with, uh, you know, his kingdom, whatever that may be, but, like, a physical kingdom, not like a long-term, uh, you know, master plan that, that God is, is enacting through all of this. But, man, you think about that. Like, so you have a creator who is all-powerful and he, he's here on a mission he loves us so much that so he's willing to send his son to die for us and, and part of that is he's also sending his son to be a model of what the pursuit of God looks like right so he's he's going through and and everything that he's doing is very intentional how he prays like how he how he uh, is is hum- humble how he uh, interacts with people like how he actually loves and, and seeks people out but just in that moment to be like all right, I'm sitting here like I have like my feet are like the dirtiest part of me and the creator of the universe, the, the person who created me, the entity, the being that created me is now uh, acting as a servant to the extent that he's washing my feet. Um, and just the amount of humility that comes with that, it just it kind of it, it really blows me away because I, I feel like a lot of times, like especially when we're like young kids. Right. we We kind of get a little bit of this like God complex sometimes where we're like we see an anthill and we want to get the magnifying glass out. We're not going to wash any ants feet. We're going to fry them with the power of the sun. Right. And like, we're going to, we're going to just, you know, destroy things, but that's not, that's not who our creator was. Our, our creator, uh, looked at us and loved us so much and emptied himself, uh, to the extent that he could be like us and model model something for us because he had a bigger plan that he wanted to execute. He had a, a bigger goal that he wanted to achieve. Um, and he a, a true relationship that he wanted so much so that he would sacrifice not only his life but he would sacrifice you know pride and and his uh, I don't know, I want to say dignity I don't know if that's the right thing but there's there's just a, a lot to that picture that I think we gloss over it's like oh yeah Jesus humbled himself as a servant and washed his feet washed our feet that that one's just really tough for me to completely comprehend when you really think about everything surrounding it. Yeah, that's a great
0: insight with the whole military leader thing because we do read it through the lens of the creator of the earth and they would have seen it, been seeing it through the lens of he's going to be this huge military leader. He's going to conquer Rome. That's an interesting paradigm to kind of work with. You know, I I started thinking as you brought up those two ideas that the whole creator of the universe idea, and that's, we're pretty dirty creatures in comparison to the Elohim, the God Almighty. You know, we're pretty, not only are we sin-laden, we're made of dirt. So he's literally washing dirt off of something else's dirt. Yeah, That's a lot of, you know, and man, I guess I, I wonder if God does he walk through a cycle of having to humble himself like we do, in the sense of like, ah oh, man, I don't want to do this. And then you kind of embrace it and then you're like, Okay, that somehow feels refreshing. That somehow feels fitting. You know, I don't I know you've never humbled yourself, so maybe wow. you don't know what I'm talking about, but wow. uh <laughs> But wow, there it is. He it snuck, is, it, snuck, it, it, snuck has it in this there. sense that's kind of has the sense of like, wow, this is not what I wanted to do. And yet I fit here. This is it feels very right to just not be the chief focus in my own head. So I, I wonder if that's his natural state And we're attaining, that's what I would guess, because having to humble yourself feels more like you're dealing with pride. So he wouldn't be dealing with that because it's sin. So anyway, just some kind of way out there thoughts that that picture brought to light. I thought that was a very good uh, word picture you're using there.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think it's it's a it's a picture of humility, but it's also a picture of love. Right. So like when we think about God's Mm -hmm. love for us, um, you know, you got you say you have four kids. four 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 kids yes you got four kids so you know like i I don't necessarily like i'll wash their feet sometimes like a lot of times when you got a kid you got to bathe them you got to change their diapers and and all that other stuff you know i've had my son throw up on me i've had my son like oh yeah you know Mm -hmm. crap through his diaper onto my arm and although that's disgusting and gross i still took care of him cleaned him up and took you know and, and so i think part of that is is the love. So I get a little bit of a glimpse of what God's doing there. It's like, Hey man, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't like cleaning feet, but I love this person. I love this disciple so much that I'm willing to do this to, to, uh, to embody what love is and to show what love is. And so I'm sure, and that's part of like the, uh, the higher thinking that's going on here. I think we think very literal for a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here, be, being guard, stand firm, be courageous, be strong, and God's modeling that through different things that He's doing, but He's also modeling love, and He's modeling that humility. It's there's a tension, right? So, Steve Steve is talking about courage and 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 you know very masculine things, but He's also talking about very masculine things and, and being a servant and being humble and trusting God. And so it's in, it's interesting when we have two different, um, completely different uh, ideas that He's talking about at the same time because He was He was tying a lot of it to masculinity as well and t- tying uh, it to just the difficulty of being a man, the difficulty of, of being a, a, a Christ follower. And I think that's, if I'm going to tie it back to brotherhood, I think what we have in brotherhood is we have a group of guys who recognize that it is difficult to be a Christ follower and there is adversity and we are trying to stand against the current. We are doing certain things that are countercultural, that are un, un, uh, unpopular, and in a lot of cases just not fun to do, painful. Um, but as a brotherhood, we can encourage each other, uh, and I think that's what uh, Steve was talking about was just just admonishing us. To stand firm and be strong because it is worth it. Because we do serve a God who cares about us, who loves us. Because we have that next generation that's looking to us, that we need to model Christ-like behavior for. Um, because the end result of us modeling that and 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 putting that example into place for our family and for our other brothers encourages us to continue down that path to be courageous. Because I'm more courageous when I have a leader who's jumping into the battle. At the same time, I am. I'm less courageous when I'm the guy that has to go go do that. And so, having that brotherhood around us, where we're all taking those steps in the right direction, we're all we're all, you know, uh, pursuing the same things. There is a little bit of comfort in that, even though we're doing difficult things. And and a lot of times, that allows us to take those steps of faith, to take take those courageous steps, to pursue God and to go against. Uh, you know, what? what may be the easy path to help us choose the difficult path? Yeah, thinking through from a
0: brotherhood's perspective that we get a large dose of Christianity requiring courage. And it's easy to roll that into the things we see with manhood today. But just walking in and loving on your kids in a way that's not domineering. I'm going to say it. I think it takes some courage because you kind of have to step out of that. I'm in charge and you got to do what I have to say mode in order to just try to connect and love your kids in a way that is not just making them do it. The courage comes into play with what if they don't do the right thing? What if I can't? What if I don't have the Capability, if I don't connect with them well enough, or I'm not able to do the things needed to be done to get them. And, you know, and we do have a, you know, I think in the back of your mind, you know that for a little while at least you can make them do what you want them to do. But eventually that runs out. And eventually you have to start fathering through true relationship. And then I would imagine I'm not there yet. Honestly, I, I think of maybe you're there. Maybe you can speak to this better. Is yeah, I'm I'm ready for now. This. You really got to have courage. So, <laughs> so I'm almost like I'm almost like man. I better start developing that courage now, because come at some point time, I don't even know when it crosses over. Honestly, I, I mean, I assume at some point in time you go, oh, okay, it just changed. Now I have to I can't just and I, maybe it's when they're stronger than you. I don't know. I mean, I guess in theory you can stay. It's like that Instagram post. I work out every day not to be healthy, not to live longer for the specific purpose to dominate my kid at every single age, at every single thing. I just laugh. Yeah. I think that's a man right there. That's us thinking from our carnal self. But anyway, in all true sense, no, all jokes aside, I would imagine you have some perspective on the courage it takes to just father a kid through a sense of not having the final you know the final hammer to smash i mean i guess you always do until the they move out but still i mean what kind of courage does that take evan we talk well
1: i i think there's a there's a little bit of a fear in the background it's like all right if i don't do a good job raising this kid and and showing him the right path that you know the state the government the the world is going to step in for me and so i think part of that is just recognizing that uh, I'm, I'm in a position of, of preparing somebody for the next step in the next phase of life and hopefully giving them the tools to figure things out on their own because i don't think i don't think school uh does a great job of preparing them for life i think it teaches them maybe how to learn it teaches them some of the core basics of you know math and, and reading and those things but some life skills and some of that you know how do you interact with people like how do you deal with somebody who doesn't like you how do you how do you choose the right friends and know the right friends to to hang around? And, and I think really the 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 role that I have to have as a parent is is you know it it, it changes it evolves. So you have uh, you know care and comfort and protection, and then it becomes uh, more along the lines of you know education and. You know, I think some of it has to do with the the father by God stuff, where we're we're talking about the different phases, where you know you're teaching them to be a young warrior and and all those other things, and then you know hopefully I get to the part where I'm a, the sage, I'm the mentor, and they're, I'm the person that they can go to for that. But I did hear I heard an interesting thing, and in this I don't know if this has any any legs to it, but um, you know you know how you always hear that like kids start to think that their parents are dumb usually around the age of like 13 to 21. Um, I do hear that. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that. So there's a theory and I don't know if it's true or not, but you know, they're actually, they're actually wired for that. And, and one of the reasons that mm. they're wired for that is it forces them to go outside of the family. It forces them to go out and forge their own thing. Uh, I think one of the things that they brought up was like, it, it prevents inbreeding, but I think really the, the important part of it has to do <laughs> with like, it's actually, it's actually creating an, an inert desire in them to pursue, something outside of their comfort zone outside of the comfort of being in a family. And I, I kind of latched onto that a little bit. I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm okay with my kid thinking I'm done because ultimately what they said is after they're 20 and they're in their early twenties, they actually start to realize that I was right with everything that the parent was smart and everything. And so there is a drawback, but usually that's after they've gone out and started to create their own life. And I think that that's really, that's really important. So I'm not necessarily looking forward to when my kids think I'm done because I don't think I've completely got there yet. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, if it does happen and, or when it does happen, I'm not going to look at it and be like really upset. It's like, okay, this, this is actually something that was placed inside of them to get them to pursue their own path to where they're going to go learn. And they're, they're going to go uh, grow in, in what they, what they do. My job is, is to, to build as much of a relationship as possible that that relationship trumps their perception of my um, education, their perception of, you know, what wisdom I may have. Um, and so that when they do get older, they, they feel comfortable coming back, that they will consult with me on things because they know that I have their best interest in mind. Like, obviously, I want to dominate them in sports and video games and everything else. But not so much that they're like, man, my dad was so tough, like I don't even feel like I can talk to him. Like there's a balance there. And some of that is modeling humility. Some of that is modeling um, being a servant and, and modeling what, what that that love truly looks like. And so I think that's the multifacet of masculinity that Steve was talking about. But um, all of it put together is really just a, I'm in a position of preparing my kids to become their own family, to become their own unit, to, be on, to become their own lo- own leaders in, in their circles. And hopefully they they have that desire, like I've allowed them to tap into that, that God-given desire that they have to pursue Christ through all of that. So it, it does weigh a, a responsibility, um, but I think sometimes sometimes it's difficult, right? Sometimes I just want to sit on the couch and watch TV. Sometimes I just want to pursue my own selfish desires. And I think that um, if, if I fall into that distraction, then I, I'm, I'm not going to pursue, um, you know, what's best for, for my kids moving forward. So anyway, I, man, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. It's, it's been a, it's been a great conversation and, and hopefully we were able to open up a little bit more, uh, for, you know, the people that have maybe we sat at the breakfast or listened to the podcast, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a, It's always good to see maybe some of the multifaceted sides of of what some of the speakers bring to the table. So, brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.